Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I know I say this every episode, but today really is a very special episode for a number of reasons. One, uh, we're talking to Colby Day. Colby Day is a screenwriter. He is a friend of mine, and he is just a all-around great guy. But the reason, one of the reasons that this makes this so special to me, Colby actually introduced me to my wife, and I love my wife. I happen to uh, like her so much that I married her, and. Uh, the feelings mutual. So it's very nice to have someone on the show that is influential in my own life, but also um, but can now maybe be influential in, in yours, the listener. So this is a really cool conversation with a really good pal of mine, and I'm just very excited to share it because I just genuinely love Colby, as I do all my guests and have got in these conversations. And so this is just an awesome thing for me. And uh, without further ado, let's get into the interview with Colby Day. I'm Ryan Beck, and this is The Meaning of Life. You look nervous. I am a little nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Okay. There's nothing, I'm, you know, there's nothing to worry about here. It's just the, it's just the meaning of life. If you don't have an answer for the people, that's uh, on you, man. I have strong answers. <laughs> Good. That's what I want. <laughs> so, Colby, thank you for doing the podcast. My first question, as always, is will you tell me your name and who you are? Yes, my name is Colby Day. Uh, I'm a writer. I'm a filmmaker. I'm a man who happens to be your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like happens to be your buddy. That feels like uh, like yeah. you don't want to be. No, we lucked into it. Who who had the good fortune of being your buddy at one point, and now we're far apart, but still friends. When we met, I always had this very cosmic feeling that I was supposed to do things and the universe was pushing me into a way where I was um, supposed to do this and do that. Because I came from Missouri to New York and the way that I we met was at an internship at Jon Stewart's Daily Show. Yes. Which was a big deal. Yes. It's a big deal comedically, historically, but also at the time it was like the peak of it, right? It was like right after the Bush years, Obama was about to take office. We were there for the inauguration of that. And so at this moment in my life, I was coming from school in Missouri. I had a phone interview. And then I was just, I moved to New York to live with my 75 year old roommate who you met, who I loved. Yes. Um, it, it, but we, we had met at that time and I felt like a big cosmic push. Have you ever felt that way in your life? Oh, wow. To have a big cosmic push. You know, I, um, I felt that way actually when I moved from New York to LA, um, which is now five years ago, I guess. Um, I was in New York back when we were interns together and then back for another five years after that, I guess, where I like tried to get more jobs and couldn't really. Um, but uh, coming out to LA, I felt this like, uh, um, I came out in February uh, uh, to like help a friend with a a short film and while I was here it was like uh, sunny and beautiful and everyone was nice <laughs> and uh, I met uh, this guy who is now my manager and he like called me and was like hey do you want to come like do you want me to represent you and I was like literally about to come to LA the next day to do this thing and so it just was this weird like the stars aligning moment where I was like, oh, hi, so nice to get to meet you and talk to you. I have a ticket to come tomorrow. <laughs> um, and it just sort of like uh, all aligned in this way where that first year here, I was like, oh, this like makes so much sense. Um, 
but I also was from California. So I think it was like baked into right. my, baked into my bones that like, you're supposed to drive through suburbs and stuff like that just felt more appropriate to me. Yeah. Than being squashed by the city. Yes. Yeah. Every time I moved in New York, I would like be looking for somewhere with more space and like less sound. And then at a certain point I realized like I'm looking for something that's not New York. Like what am I doing? (laughs) So you felt like a cosmic kind of thing or are we being, you know, funny when we say that? Like, I want to ask about like, I, I really mean it when I, when I felt, I felt like God or the universe or something wanted me to to things to fall in place for me to find myself in New York. And that is a feeling that I don't know that I have anymore. It's just maybe I was like blind adolescence or something um, or optimism or whatever. Uh, and now, it, like you had said previous to us recording, just everything is so much harder than it you ever expect <laughs> it to be. Like work, relationships, everything. Everything comes with like um, complicate, right? Like uh, it's easy to, in theory, say, oh, I'll do this job and it'll go this way. And then once you start to do it, there's all sorts of stuff that you just couldn't have known would be part of the part of the problem or, or new headaches or, um, you know, I think that I was talking um, earlier today uh, with my girlfriend, Emma, about <laughs> the fact that I was going on the show and we were going to talk about the meaning of life. <laughs> Um, and she was saying a similar thing, which is that, uh, life is, um, and it, this sounds negative, but I, I'm not, I don't feel negative about it, but like life is really hard and that's just like what it is. And so then the pursuit is like moving through that with, with all the bumps and nicks and bruises and cuts that like, it just is part of being alive is getting those things. But, um, uh, I don't know. There's also beauty in that. It it sounds very negative, but I yeah. don't think it necessarily is. You, I feel like you like to struggle in some ways. <laughs> like I think you, I feel like you have always wanted more from your station in life or whatever your work. You want more out of what you're working on, or more out of. Um, you're, you're a very driven, driven guy, and as a writer, like you always want to bring these things to life. And I've seen you do that with plays, and now everything else that you're working on. So do you think life is hard or do you think like a good life is hard? (laughs) That's a good question. I think, um, yes, I am an ambitious person and I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that like that, um, having, uh, being like constantly in pursuit makes life, um, harder or makes it like, uh, you're, you have more to overcome because you're continuously trying to like build or change or grow. I think examined life, like self-examination is hard or like seeing yourself is hard. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, you're talking to a bunch of artists and like part of being an artist is um, looking internally and seeing yourself and then trying to like do something with that. And so I think that that can be uh, difficult. But I don't know, life is just kind of chaos, right? Like the universe is just sort of pinging around and everything is just sort of running into each other. Like at a fundamental scientific level, that is life. So um, it just comes with collision, I guess, is the best way to think about it. Like yeah. stuff just is going to run into you and then what? how do you <laughs> respond? Right. So when's like the first moment where you were like, I think I know what I would like to try to do. I th- mm. like was it 
that you first realize that life is chaos and a bunch of colliding, like you said, it's just a big collision. And then you're like, okay, so now what? Or was it that you were like, I'm going to try to do this because I like movies and oh God, life is so hard. <laughs> okay, we've gotten locked in the life is hard, uh, which <laughs> makes me... I mean, it is hard. I think that no one listening is going to disagree with that. I think it's about what you do with it, right? Which is kind of like the, the whole um, discovery process of the podcast for me. Absolutely. The, the pursuit is kind of like, um, what do you do with all this information um, that is the universe around us? I, um, I grew up... Uh, just like at the movies, I, you know, I, I don't know that I feel like, um, telling stories was necessarily a purpose, but I did grow up, um, really, uh, in love with them, both like books as a really young kid. And then like at the movies as a super young kid, it just is like a pivotal, um, experience for me. The idea of like, my family's not religious at all. And I genuinely believe that like going to the movie theater is my family's version of like going to church. Like mm -hmm. that's the thing we do basically on every holiday. It's the thing we do like as a family. And then you're going and like sitting in like little, um, dark rooms with a bunch of people, like taking in the same kind of wonder. And that, um, was always something that I like loved and then as I got older, I learned that like people make this, you know, it's not just like a thing that is happening. Um, and so from a really early age, it's like, it's, it's the thing that I knew I loved most and then learned, oh, I can do, I can do that thing. There are people who do that. Um, wouldn't that be cool? And so that was, um, I don't know, a, a calling. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like uh, you kind of fell in love, at least initially, it sounds like, with like the ritual mm. of going to the movies. And then you were inspired by the movies themselves and how they're made and wanted to take part in that. Yeah, I um, I think there's something uh, as a kid I was really obsessed with. And I, I'm trying to think of what the name of it is. But there was a show on like the Discovery Channel that was basically just like here's how they do special effects in movies. And so it would show you like um, the head of the Terminator robot and like how they get it to do things. And as a yeah. kid, that was like, I think it was, it's so playful, like making art is play. Um, and then it like comes with all these other complicated layers of, you know, uh, commerce and like social dynamics and like, but fundamentally it's like playing around and, and, getting people to play with you and that um that was something that I always like really uh I don't know really enjoyed and really longed for um but I think it's also like a safe way to play you know like it has rules and <laughs> confines and like you're trying to do something <laughs> um, it's right, not right. just play it's like something else also did you have a lot of friends as a kid no <laughs> no no, I, um, I kind of feel like I, uh, I was like the, I was friendly with everyone and I was like allowed in whatever group, but I was like kind of a floater and kind of, uh, like didn't feel that sense of belonging. And I actually think that 
you know, I've been going to therapy for a long time because that's uh, good. Everybody should You're do it. You're from California. Yeah. I'm from California. <laughs> Lived in New York for a long time. And uh, I do think that like um, part of what storytelling is about is like communicating emotion or like expressing emotion or something that like um, as a kid, I felt kind of like insular or like alone or in my own world. Um there's like an SNL sketch from a year or two ago that's like about like special bo- boys who are special and like you buy them a, a wishing well that they can like sit uh, and yeah, wish Oh, yeah, the Julio, Julio Torres. Yeah, the Julio Torres sketch. That's so funny. And I felt such a pang of recognition of like, oh, that was, I was the, the boy who needed a wishing well in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> Did that's, you have a bunch uh, of friends growing up? You know, I had a lot of... I think I was very similar to what you're describing. You had acquaintances. (laughs) Yeah, I had a lot of friends that I knew and whatever else, but I still feel in some respects that I have like, now I think I've I've got a core group of people that are not going anywhere in my life, um, present company included. Um, But I still feel even on in some of my groups that I would I should feel really in with, you know, in the stand up comedy community, which is a big part of my life, I'm friends with everybody. And I could call a lot of people and ask for advice. And I did that earlier today with somebody. Um, but it's just a, it's just an interesting way to develop relationships is when they're very strong, but it's also somehow you still feel very alone at times. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's nice to have my partner, my wife. And I know that's true for you to have Emma. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is like, oh, I do have an in an in crowd yeah i think i um i think i have this thing that's kind of baked in that's like uh being an observer or feeling like an observer or feeling out at a remove from everyone and um i felt that uh you know i lived in new york for a long time and did theater there and was part of this company pipeline theater company that still exists and is uh, great and go check them out everybody but um, even as like someone who is very much in the core of of those types of communities I always felt this kind of like uh, but I don't really fit and um, more and more as I get older I'm realizing that that is a pattern based on me <laughs> yeah. and not a pattern based on the groups that I felt like I didn't belong in <laughs> like I think, you think it's something you're else... doing to yourself yeah I think everyone else in that group would have said that I very much belonged. <laughs> and I, I have this thing of like, uh, but I'm sort of at a remove, guys. Yeah, I think I do the same thing in a yeah. lot of ways. And I, I know that uh, I'm sure that a lot of people listening also feel that way. And maybe it's a thing that it's like when you spend so much time looking inward, you look more for the things that make you different as opposed to the things that like, these are my people. Mm. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. I think it's I think it's like probably pretty nice to be in feel or to allow yourself to feel in in it as part of a group. Yeah, I mean I think that we're like biologically wired to want to do that. You know, like we're we're social animal. <laughs> and so I think it's not good um just as an experience to like feel on the outside. I I think it just like doesn't work for how our how our brains have evolved. Like we want community. Um, but yeah, I think it's like a family socialization thing. Like my family was always kind of like, 
the outsiders also, right? Like we just didn't, we didn't like have a big, uh, extended family that like always hung out and had all the holidays together and was always like part of each other's lives. We were all kind of like, we'll see you and we'll have dinner and mm-hmm. you know, it's been 90 minutes. So like we should really get home. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, um, that just teaches you that's how you're supposed to be. And so I, to me, is it a self-preservation thing uh, for in sure. some ways? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, it's very uh, vulnerable to belong, I think. It's really, um, uh, to me at least, very scary to like uh, really be seen or like really depend on people um, or like... Uh, or to let them know that you do more so, <laughs> yes, right? Because yes. it's not like you don't. Yeah, no, to just to for that to be known. To, uh, to be known. Being known is scary. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Is there ever an example of like a thing that you did to find community, maybe in like middle school or something? I got very into Dragon Ball Z for Ooh, one. Um, Dragon Ball I'm just Z. curious as like, what was like the thing before <laughs> movies really took up, like before comedy and before everything that you like kind of gravitated towards like, oh, I wanted to do this the whole time. I started a uh, Dragon Ball Z website when I was a, a youth and oh I was God. like really into it. And I was like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. This was your calling. Wait, yeah. Ryan, what was the website? You got to tell us more. It was a GeoCities website. <laughs> and it, we had like 100 people pretending to be Dragon Ball Z characters on it. It was it was doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's good mm-hmm. traffic for, uh, you know, 2005, right? <laughs> earlier oh no much earlier than 2001 yeah 2001 too um that's a good question what have i tried to to belong with or you know i i mean like um uh i really think it was like making stuff like uh my friends and i like had video cameras pretty young or like one friend of mine did and that was a thing that we we would do is like um i remember in like middle school maybe middle school is like when uh fight club came out and so we were like we gotta make a fight club movie (laughs) you know it's like a bunch of 10 year olds pretending to be at a fight club which is just uh so dumb but uh also really beautiful i wish we still had that video (laughs) yeah i did the same thing when the video camera it, it really opened up an entire world i would make um wrestling videos we'd oh cut promos and like wrestling wrestling matches and stuff and like but like do the show we weren't just like filming each other fighting you know we were doing the production part and you'd watch <laughs> you had answers yeah or you do like a, an action movie or you do something like like yes. that with your friends and and that was like i don't know i mean maybe that's just um because we're just mimicking what we're being fed but it was like that was a, such a great escape as a kid and that, those were the moments where i really felt like oh, I'm being myself in this moment. I'm allowing myself to do that. And I'm actually getting the desired result of friendship in return. <laughs> yeah. I um, we I was like super into Jackie Chan, I remember, around this age as yeah. well. And so it was like a lot of like, um, are there cool things we can jump off of <laughs> or like climb to the top of? Uh, yeah, that was also a big thing of just like, can you jump off something really high up? And yeah, that would be cool. I I really like we've I've covered a lot of ground in this podcast. I've talked to a lot of different people so far, and I really think that 
is there something really high we can jump off of <laughs> is probably the best question that I've, I've heard. It's a great question. In it's, my pursuit. It's like a fundamental um, kid question of like, is there something, <laughs> is there something crazy we can do? And that, um, yeah, that was a big part of my youth. That's something that I really love. And I wonder what happens to it because it's like childish wonder mm -hmm. of climbing trees. And if I went outside and climbed a tree right now as a 33 year old man in Brooklyn, <laughs> I feel like something, someone would think something's wrong. Yes. Yeah. And With me specifically. Yes. And I know there's like a societal pressure not to climb trees. And then there's all these Is like there? reasons of like, well, birds live there. Get out of the tree. <laughs> And all that kind of thing. But it, do you think human beings maybe on whole have either conditioned themselves to not like take part in this wonder that we all possessed mm. at one point in time? Or is it to maintain an order? Or <laughs> is it just that we've all collectively kind of depressed? Great question. Um, I, you know, I think that that like sense of play... Um, I wouldn't want to climb a tree anymore either. And I don't know if it's being older, <laughs> being tired, uh, being like, I'm going to get hurt, <laughs> which I would definitely like, you know, scrape my, scrape my sensitive hands and feel sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I think our, our versions of play like get really different as we get older. And I think, um, it gets hard. It, I personally feel like it has been harder as I've gotten older to play. I, I think it feels, um, uh, yeah, not allowed. What's the blockage? Yeah. What's totally. the blockage there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People are going to judge it or it's going to be weird or, uh, you're going to be I won't get my desired result. Or yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the things that, make adulthood hard and make life hard yes. if we go back to the collision course that is life and everything it's like well i think what maybe expectation is the thing or fear is the thing that's getting in your way from climbing the tree like literally climbing the tree or figuratively i actually really would love to go outside and find a tree to climb but I live across from the place where they do all the vaccines now. And I think that FEMA and the do National Guard might have a problem with the tree climbing guy. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably illegal at this point. Um, yeah. I, I do think that, like, uh, you know, if you read, like, um, Buddhist philosophy or a lot of, like, Eastern religion, it, it all, and, like, uh, a lot of uh, meditation stuff is all kind of about, like, how do you be in this moment and how do you not worry so much about either forward or backwards? And I do think that um, so much of being alive, it, you have to worry about forwards and backwards. Like, that just is what's required to, like, make it through yeah. the day. Yeah, um, not to be eaten by a predator. Yeah, not to be eaten by a predator, not to have your boss yell at you. But like um, the ability to like switch into now is the play is play, I think, honestly, like that's what uh, jumping off a high thing does is like there's no <laughs> there's no worrying about uh, next week when you're like um, up up in the tree. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm like looking point. out my window for trees right now to climb. <laughs> right, right. Because it's the the idea is that it's like you want to be present and you want to make sure that you're enjoying your life as it's happening instead of being caught in these cycles of dread, which I know that you're just like me, not, um, uh, you know, this happens to you all the time. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm an so when you guy. get in caught in like a cycle of dread and you want something to be that something that's not or better than it is or get the desired result or seen as good because you think it's good or what 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 do you do do you just like crumble up into a ball or do you is there like do you have like a a, a ritual or a methodology for digging yourself out of that i um great question i <laughs> okay so uh i think generally the thing that um, is really helpful for me when, um, most like, uh, activated in terms of like anxiety or depression is sort of like, um, how can I get into my body more and like actually just sort of, uh, pass beyond what I'm thinking about and, and get more into like, um, <laughs> Uh, can I do some yoga or like, can I take a walk and pay attention to like, what, what does the ground feel like? This is all very, um, I started doing a, a new kind of therapy in the last year and a half. And it's all about like somatic experience. And the idea behind that is like, um, just, what is happening in your body right now? Like think about, don't actually don't think about, but like feel what, what are the feelings? Where are they? What are the sensations? And that has um, a ton of information about your mood and what you could do to change things. And also just like allows you to get out of the routine cycles of like of an anxious thought that kind of just loops around and comes back and is the same thought over and over. Uh, so it's like trying to be mindful of, yeah. uh, am I clenching my jaw? Am yes. I, do I need to sit up straighter or not as straight or whatever? It's those yeah. things. Yeah. And I, I think that it's, um, it is kind of mindfulness and it is a kind of, um, get outside yourself also like notice the colors notice the sounds like anything you can do to just sort of break free of the thinking because the thinking is sort of <laughs> the problem <laughs> for me yeah. at least I tend to be very thought thought oriented and not very like body or emotionally oriented and so a lot of what I've been trying to learn how to do is just like feel into my feelings, feel the air, be mindful of what is going on. That's not my brain planning because I'm always planning. And how do I right. do something else? I feel like you, when I watch you say that <laughs> and I'm being sincere, okay. I want, but I, but I'm just, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm also like curious. It feels like you sort of think of this stuff silly. <laughs> Like, I've... even though it's helpful and <laughs> yes. even though it's good and I absolutely will be using these techniques because yes. I think that mindfulness is really important to just snap out of your, your own bullshit yeah. or whatever you're doing to in whatever way you're hurting yourself that day. But it feels like kind of think some of it seems silly or maybe the, the needing it is silly or something like that. 
I feel self-conscious. I think that I, yeah. I am so, I really am so like locked into my brain and, um, the way that I found this type of therapy, honestly, was um, I, I, I have gone to therapy for a long time and I, I started going because I started having panic attacks and panic attacks are very much about like <laughs> you have something internal emotionally going on that your body is like responding to and you need to think about you need to like really reckon with like what are your feelings um often not for everybody but often and that was the case for me um and i felt really stuck with okay i can intellectually know what's going on but i feel very i feel very locked out of what are my feelings um and truly I met this therapist with like, I'm looking to try to figure this out and I feel really stuck and I don't really know what to do about this problem where I just like can intellectualize something, but I don't know what I think about it really like fundamentally in my gut. And she was like, okay, um, what do you feel in your body right now? (laughs) And it blew my mind, which sounds so silly as I say it, but it really like, um, blew my mind to be asked, like, wh- what is happening inside you? <laughs> and yeah. um, it sounds very simple as I say it. So I think that's the that's the thing about about it that feels silly to me that like it has been so eye opening to be asked to really pay attention to what are you feeling? Yeah. Um, which is so fundamentally human, but also felt uh, so foreign to me as someone who's very much like, go, 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 so feel, what's the plan? Do you feel kind of like ashamed that you weren't like, how did I not know this? Yeah, I do. I do. Like, why didn't someone teach me to feel my feelings? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like when you're like looking for your keys or your phone and yes. you're like, oh my God, it's in my hand. Yes. Yeah. The whole time it was in my hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The answer has been inside me the whole time for 32 years. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's great to offer or to find that perspective. I love when you when you are offered a, a perspective that you don't hear usually like you usually hear and then you just have that moment. That's a great feeling. It, where you're like, oh wow. It unlocked something that just was like, Yeah, duh, of course. Like what so much of therapy was talking about my feelings and to have a therapist be like, mm, I don't really want to talk about it. Like what what is your feeling right now? was like yeah oh what that can be therapy <laughs> like just to have the feeling um felt so different and hard as someone who's just very in their head and very uh planning oriented and logic oriented mm-hmm. yeah so what do you do now i mean now you've got like this great tool <laughs> seemingly oh no <laughs> yeah right are you does that scare you not to know what do you do now? Um, well, both of us, you and I both work in fields where it's like freelance in some ways, yes. where you're kind of just a contracted person. And so you try to stay in favor. You try to do your best work. You try to let people know that you would like to work. You do all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And it's a way that a lot of people increasing in increasing numbers are living their life. Yeah. So that's okay. But there is an inherent fear. Yes. And an inherent like, okay, now what do I do? So 
not talking career-wise. Yeah. I just mean in life. Do you have like things you'd like to do? Oh my god. Uh I I don't know the answer. Um I That's okay. Yeah, I mean I have um you know, there are things I enjoy doing. There are things that I'm like, oh, I would like to do that more. Um, uh, my girlfriend Emma and I are um, looking at houses to see if we could buy a house. So that's a thing that has become um, both like, oh, this is a thing that would be really so great to get to do and also kind of frightening because it's like an enormous commitment. Um uh so is commitment something that scares you absolutely <laughs> really yeah i've never felt that way i've never felt that way about you really no i mean i think it's like more of like something that we both have joked about before isn't commitment scary but also we both committed our lives to um the arts and there's nothing more terrifying than that and that's like the biggest like you know I know people back home and different friends of mine and stuff who marvel at the idea that um, I could just move to a city and start telling jokes and thinking that's going to work out because that's not a plan. Um, but I, you're I, totally right. No, you're totally right. And it is uh, throwing me for such a loop because there is something about um, what I do as a job, like what I do um, that's fulfilling to me that I don't, I honestly don't feel like I, I know how to do anything else or, or like would want to do anything else. And then there's something about, um, being, a, a commitment as an idea that like to be committed to live somewhere feels like, oh, I, I, uh, there's like a fear that it's stuck, you know, that you can't just like, uh, change, mm. you know, like you have a 30 year mortgage, here's where you live now. <laughs> um, and that right. feels scary, but I, I don't, um, yeah, you're totally right. I, like I, there is fearlessness to be like, well, I'm gonna just, uh, go write movies now and that will work out <laughs> just like, and so far insane. so good. <laughs> so far it has worked out for me which is insane yeah so i don't in like a really cool way in there's a really all kinds cool of great way. stuff there's people that it's working out for that would be like man i would love that situation um things are going good uh i uh yeah um Yes, I wrote the next movie that Adam Sandler's going to do. Uh, Netflix is making it. They're shooting it right now. That's And Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan is in it. Um, Paul Dano. Paul Dano is in it. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, it's in, It really is insane. And um, But my point is, the go, yeah. commitment that you made in 2008 or 9 when I, we met, has carried you through to this point. I mean, I know that there were several stops along the way. You moved different across the, the United States again. You had written plays. You had things fail. You had um, your heart broken. You had all these. You had to move four or five times. I helped you with some of those. You, you had all these you. different things, but this commitment was: I'm going to live as an artist, and I'm going to make it work. You are totally right. Um, it. Uh... It has, I don't know, it has rarely felt like a choice. I mean, it is, but it's not, there's no, um, there's no like, uh, uh, this is, 
I don't know. It feels like there's no point of no return almost like you can, I don't know. I guess if everything had never worked out, then I could have like, uh, I also did all that artistry stuff and like worked in sales for a lot of it, you know? Like, so I just don't, I just don't see a world for the person that I know that if (laughs) two years ago, things didn't break the way that they started to break that you would have stopped. No, I would have kept making things by myself, which is which is what um, was true until someone hired me to do anything. Like I, right. I, uh, we were just talking about this before we were on the air, but like, I think you and I are very similar in that. Like, well, I have an idea, and if nobody's going to help me do it, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and right. uh, yeah, that that has always been a big. Um, Uh, I've always felt very uh, grateful to have that kind of mind or that kind of like uh, drive of like, um, I want to do it. So I I will figure out how to do it, even if nobody else wants to help me do this, Um, which is sometimes how it feels. But (laughs) do you think do you feel like you're a stubborn person? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. That might that sometimes can be used in a good way, especially like in the framework that we're talking about. I think it's really important in in the arts actually to have some some stubbornness. I think um, I think it's been really helpful to me as a writer. So much of what you're doing is um, just being told like no or here's why not or here's how that doesn't work or wouldn't it be better if it was this way instead and I think it's really helpful to have some sort of inner compass that is a little bit stubborn that's like no fuck you you're wrong (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I actually I'm going to do it this way and I'm right um and then uh you know having worked in theater for a long time there is sort of a like push and pull of anybody can be right. Like as long as the best answer is, is comes up, then let's use that one. So I don't, I don't feel stubborn in that. Like it has to be the thing I chose, but I do feel stubborn about like protecting every project or like making, if you're going to make a play, it's gotta be the best play possible. Um, and to like go into every work that way, uh, I think means being a little stubborn. Do you think that everybody should be stubborn in the thing that they want? Or do you think that it's like, I mean, I want to talk a big picture here. Yeah. Like there's lots of people, especially in probably in your neighborhood that want to be doing exactly what you're doing. Yeah. That's like the kind of the, the idea of Los Angeles is that everybody's an actor is what you hear. <laughs> yes. I've not spent a lot of time there. I've been there like two or three times. Do you think like the world needs people to fail? Or do you think that everybody should continue to keep trying and do everything that they can? Like, well, for for you, I I mean, what gives you happiness? What makes you happy? And do you think that you could find that even if you didn't get some of the career things that you have dedicated yourself to over the last fifteen years? These are um, I, well, okay. So those are feel like two separate questions to me. But I I think that. Um, it's quite possible. <laughs> <laughs> They're both interesting, so I'll try to do both. Um, uh, I think that um, uh, I think that failure is kind of like independently determined or self-determined. What what makes somebody fail 
is, you know, some of that is up to like, what does everybody else think of me? But some of that is also just up to your own internal um, goals or opinion of yourself. And, um, you know, I think that there are uh, being in film and TV is is very, very much about like you need to um, be very good at what you do. You need to have uh, access to the right people at the right time. Uh, and you have to be lucky. And like all three have to happen. Um, if one of the three doesn't happen, I don't know that that makes you a failure, but it, it could stymie your internal goals or what your metrics for success are. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that that really depends on like, are you fulfilling the things that bring you happiness? And if, if you're able to do that, you're not failing, you know, like you fundamentally can't be failing if you're, um, enjoying what you're doing and like feeling good about it. Uh, but so you think it's then like you perception. need the other pieces to also puzzle into place within the world of like career. And that's kind of a separate weird thing that you just have no, nobody has any control over. So it's like about making sure that your perception um, of yourself and your standing, you kind of determine, any, any one person kind of determines if they're a failure or not. I'm sure that there are people far more successful than either of us and maybe either of us ever will be yes. that consider themselves immense failures. Yes, yes. I, I think that uh, we have a, a an, the American culture is very much what you do defines you. And um, I was always kind of blown away by the fact that like my dad was a car dealer uh, sold cars his whole life started working at a car dealership when he was like 14 years old did that his entire life um, until seven years ago he sold his business and he at the end of that time my entire family was sort of preparing for like he's gonna go crazy like what he's not gonna cope with this well like this was all he's done and um really um impressed me and made me like proud of him that he he ended that job and was like um that was my work and I feel really good about the work that I did but I am like I am not that work and that work is over now and I want to go do some stuff that's fun and like have a nice life and it and coped with it fine and I just had this feeling of Oh man, I I I am so defined by what I do, and I feel so defined by work and achievement and career that I couldn't, I can't fathom adapting to that nearly as well as my dad did. He was very clear cut about like my family is one thing that's separate, I am one thing that's separate, and then my job is one thing that's separate, and my job is over, and isn't that nice? And it was this like, whoa, I... Yeah, that's fascinating. I hope to be as well-adjusted as you someday. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I mean, throughout the course of this podcast, I have talked to a lot of entertainers and everything, and yeah. I just know what I'm bringing to the table, and career is so important to me. Yeah. Um, it's and what... my family is too, but it's what my brain goes to automatically. Like if you talk about like, what, what are the cycles that your, your thoughts go in? It like will immediately in spare time loop to work. Um, and do you think that's how you give value to yourself? It's like, how hard am I working? What am I working on? It's really hard for me to not work hard. 
Um, it's really hard for me to, to take time off, to um, take a break, to um, uh, uh, to not um, be working is tough for me. So I do think it is something that feels safe or feels familiar um, to be working feels like what I'm used to doing. <laughs> um, do you think there's going to be a point where you're able to sell your business and say, I think I'd like to do something else now, like your dad? No. I, it blew my mind. No, I can't. I truly can't wrap my head around it. So it's it's movies and it's it's creating, telling stories in whatever capacity. I mean, there's probably mediums that we haven't even heard about that are not even invented yet. Totally, yeah. Um, but it's that until you die. That's what you'd like to do. Um, I kind of think of it as, um, you know, I read something long ago that, that I wish I could remember the reference, but it, it sort of broke down work and career. There's like jobs, there's careers, and there's vocations. And they aren't all the same thing. Um, you can have a you can have a career that's like many jobs and some are right and some are wrong. You can have a career where you are doing your vocation, which is the thing that you're called to do. And then you can have a, a world where like you have a job and you have a vocation and they never intersect. And um, I feel like to me, um, storytelling and uh, trying to like convey emotional experiences to people is a vocation and I would do it whether it was the job or not, um, I got lucky to like find a way to bridge the gap between vocation and career. And that's like, that's the piece of the puzzle. That's like the kind of rare special thing that, um, not a lot of people. Yeah. Like you were talking about, you need these three things to all go right at all times. It has to just sort of happen by chance and has happened by chance for me in a way that, uh, feels really special. But I think that you know, if I went back to, uh, I used to work like a job stopping people on the street and getting them to sign up for renewable energy sources. And like, I do feel right. like if, uh, I, I remember <laughs> you hooked me up with that. I did that for a couple of weeks. Oh my God. I forgot I said, I that you did that. I could not do this. Like, this is not for Ryan. It was a really hard job. Um, it was a really yeah. hard job, but it allowed me a ton of time to do the, the vocation part, which is what I really loved to do. Um, and I'd feel like if I was in a position where like I needed a job and couldn't get it in my vocation, I, I would probably still be making weird art. I just would also be the guy on the street trying to stop you and get you to sign a clipboard. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's like really great because I think it speaks to the stubbornness that we've touched on. I think it speaks to the idea of like you're a failure if you determine yourself one, but if you're just like continuing to pursue your passion and that's what you want you can't fail in that way i think if you're enjoying it um you know like you know life is to be lived right like so if you're mm -hmm. if you're doing a thing that uh you're enjoying or that you feel like you're growing doing uh that to me is i, I don't know i it would be hard for me to to think that something was a failure if you like learned from it um and that i've done plenty of things that were bad um, <laughs> or failed, but like, I do feel like I've been able to learn from them. And so it's that to me is like, okay, well that did not work, but would I say it was a failure? No, I learned how to do this better and that better and try to never do it that way again. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So do you think there's like a meaning to life? <laughs> I feel like I got like slow walked into the, the big, <laughs> the big question. Well, it is a big question, but also it's like, I don't know. What do you think? You know, like I don't expect anyone to have it. Some people have had like hard and fast answers to this. Um, I, you know, my favorite one was uh, no, but because that's just so fascinating to me. But I, I just want to know, like, what is it? Do, do you think that there's some kind of purpose? Like, is there any reason for any of this to be happening? All this pain, this suffering, this wanting to express yourself, there, to climb a tree, this like wonder. Is it all a happy accident? I'm like cracking up <laughs> off mic here. Um... Because I think I I think no I I really do think that there is no reason or like goal, but I also kind of like that that could sound very nihilistic, but I I think to me it feels very freeing of like oh what a gift that this is all kind of by accident and yet it's here and isn't that um beautiful if you can remind yourself that it's very hard to keep that in mind because uh everything in the world feels like you got to figure it out and you got to have a plan and uh you got to get here and, and on top of that there's so much pain and so much like so many things that happen that don't don't have any you know there's no sense to it there's a, like bad things that there's happen. a ton of hardship there's a ton of difficulty there's a ton of like um just in a personal level, but then also like on a global scale, there's there's mm. just stuff that is... Uh, there's just tragedy to reconcile there's with. There's just tragedy to reconcile with. But I, I think that um, uh, to me, that also makes the things that are, are beautiful or are um, good... Uh, so much more valuable because it just the likelihood of it ever any of it ever happening is just zero <laughs> like there's it's so improbable um, all of our existence is so unlikely <laughs> and that uh, when I can step back and remind myself of that is a really check in with how your body's feeling when you could check in on like how you actually feel <laughs> um, is a really beautiful profound thing to to get to I don't know. You can go to like the natural history museum and see all of the space stuff. And like, um, there's something about seeing like, Oh, earth is this far away from Mars is this far away from Venus. And like you go around the whole spiral at the observatory in New York and it's like, Oh, we are nothing. And that could feel very, um, bad or like disempowering. But to me, I've always been the kid that goes to the observatory and is like, Oh, this, like this is so beautiful. I, I feel so uh, lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I always had the same kinds of feelings was that like I liked feeling small. I liked feeling yeah. like I was just part of this big thing that was happening around me and that I could just be a piece. I think it, because lets it made you... me step out of my own anxiety and my own um, worry and everything. I think like it that. lets you off the hook, you know, like you can have all this anxiety and all this fear and all these plans, but like when you can frame it in the cosmic scale of time, 
uh, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> so like that lets you off the hook a little bit of like all the anxiety can kind of, you can unclench yeah, your jaw. Just be nice and enjoy yourself <laughs> yeah. because yeah. no one will remember you and, and, and they're Cause they're all going to be dead too. <laughs> in some sense. Yes. Uh, uh, could sound so bleak as you say it, but, um, well, I think a lot of people get wrapped up with legacy and wanting yeah. to be remembered and, and all of these kinds of things. And then if you think like, well, human civilization is like completely, um, that's going away at some point. <laughs> so who cares who has a statue? That statue is not going to exist forever. I mean, the sun's no. going to blow up. So <laughs> yeah, that's when they'll finally get rid of the Confederate monuments is when the sun explodes. <laughs> But it's only going to be there another uh, 10 to 12 billion years and then those Confederate yeah. monuments are out of here. <laughs> You're talking about movies being like your ritual and kind of like your family's religion and stuff. Do you feel that people who are immensely religious are just kind of looking for the same feeling that you've that you're expressing to me now? This thing that you've stumbled upon that helps you get through and helps you frame how to enjoy your life each day? I... Uh, I think we're kind of hardwired to um, we're hardwired to tell stories and we're hardwired to want to find patterns and want to find what it means. And, um, you know, it's like the reason that we evolved into like dominating the planet, which is, you know, not necessarily a good thing, but it's this like unique ability that we have as an animal to like, try to figure out what something means. And I think that um, religion, uh, storytelling, like art, it all kind of is spinning around that same fundamental human thing of I just need to like see some patterns and then my brain is going to fire in a certain way that like makes me feel okay. And... Um, I think that that's all we're all trying to do all the time, basically, is like get the neurons to fire in a way where it's like, oh, this makes some sense. Is that what you're trying to do with your storytelling <laughs> is to like allow people to have that same kind of thing, like to come to it and just be like, oh, for a moment, I felt whatever the play meant, wanted me to feel or the movie and everything made sense. I is that what is that your drive? Is that your what you've kind of maybe stumbled upon as your purpose? I think that uh, I think that um, art and especially live performance, especially when it's like with a performer and an audience, and you you do this as well as a comedian, is like you're kind of getting uh, you're making a pattern. You're like making everybody align for a moment in something. And uh, with comedy, it's like this is uh, funny, right? But like. Um, with any kind of story that's a performance, you're like getting everyone's brain to hopefully like see the same thing at the same moment. And that is um, profound. I think it's just a profound experience as a person, um, whether you're the person in the theater, you're the person making it, like it just, uh, I think our brains are just wired to, to want that. And yeah. uh, it, it feels really special. Uh, and I think that it that's does. what religion does. Mm -hmm. I think I think you're spot on. I think it's um, the way I would categorize what I felt when I was, you know, 
feeling really religious when I would go to church as a kid or even when I'm on stage and everybody's laughing all at once and I, even I find something funny, you know, something just organic that we're all really in on it. It's a beautiful thing to somehow in your in your mind and your body recognize that you're so small but also we're all in this together yes. and it's that kind of thing. Those are the feelings that I chase and I think that's kind of what you're saying too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think it's like, uh, to be, it's almost like you're aligning all the, all the electrons in a magnet or something, you know, like individually they don't do anything, but like with enough friction and enough, like, uh, <laughs> enough, uh, I don't even know how magnets work enough of the steel, uh, moving across the iron. It like everything points one direction and that mm -hmm. then is a really powerful thing. Um, and I think that that's the like most human experience. Uh, right. I don't know. Maybe whales do it too. And we just don't know. <laughs> I'm sure that they do. But for now, we're all just trying to stick to that big cosmic fridge and hold on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Just stick up there, uh, tape someone's uh, crayon drawing up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Colby, thank you for doing the podcast. Oh, it was my pleasure, Ryan. Thank you for having Is me. Is there anything that you want um, people to check out and, uh, uh, plug or whatever um just follow me on social media um i'm at the colby day uh on instagram and twitter um like i said <laughs> i wrote a movie that they're shooting so <laughs> maybe by 2023 2024 2025 <laughs> uh that movie will exist so if you just follow me on social media um i will tell you if and when anything i do ever sees the light of day but it's getting closer that's great. Thank you, Colby. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support the podcast, head to patreon.com slash Ryan Beck and follow me at at I am Ryan Beck on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other podcast, Falling in Love with My Wife, available everywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks. The Meaning of Life is produced by Ryan Beck, edited by Ryan Beck, and the music is by Shakir Stanley. Thanks for listening.